You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about three ways that you can increase communication with your players on the court, and we're going to talk about examples of when it's extremely important to have communication on the court. It's an episode you don't want to miss, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 65 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? We are in September. Uh, the summer is summer's coming to an end. It, uh, it really sucks in Canada because when the summer comes to an end, it gets cold. It gets cold quite fast, or at least faster than, than other places around the world. But that's okay. September is exciting because everyone's back in season. You know, this is like the beginning where we get to hit that reset button and we get to f- go full swing and try to make our make us our team have a successful season. And so I know it's it's an exciting time to be a coach as well as a player. And and I hope today that I can help you uh, bring some more value to your team uh, by talking about. Increasing communication with your players. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to welcome uh, any new listener. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh. I'm the host of the pod. And thank you for being here. You got about 64 episodes to get caught, get caught up on. And I hope uh, you get some value out of it. And if you are a regular listener, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And this uh, this last week has been a, a very, very heavy volleyball work for me. We know with training and and uh, we just we op- we just closed doors to Digital Volleyball Academy, which was um, we we've welcomed a, a great group of coaches inside the membership. So I'm excited about that. Uh, if you if you missed the opportunity to join, that's okay. It'll open up in a couple months again. Um, just head on over to www.digitalvolleyballacademy.com and just sign up on that waiting list. And as soon as it opens, we'll we'll notify you as well. And if you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, it's my signature membership where I get to help coaches all around the world by providing mentorship, giving them access to my resources, opening them up into my gym, like just getting to see what we do in our gym, and really just. It's a place that you can go and get your questions asked and get some mentorship along the way. So that's what it is. Uh, but let's. Uh, oh, actually, we also. Um, you know what? I've been getting reviews on the pod, and I've, I've been. Uh, I gotta say, it's not. It's. I haven't been recognizing them, which I should be. I should be recognizing all the reviews. But the latest one that I got was um, titled "Binge Worthy," five stars. Um, it's from NJ Monroe ten. So thanks, uh, NJ Monroe. Appreciate it. Uh, it says, I'm late to the game, so I'm starting from the very beginning, and I'm 12 episodes in and can't stop listening. Keep it up, Coach B. Well, I appreciate that, NJ Monroe. Thanks for the thanks for the review. And if you haven't reviewed the podcast or anything, do me a favor and, and review it because I, I really appreciate the feedback, and I, I also want to make sure that I'm you know, creating episodes and putting out you know things that you, you guys like and you find valuable because at the end of the day, I want this to be valuable for you. So... I want you to be able to take 
you know, tangible things that I'm giving you and apply it in your gym so you can see results. At the end of the day, that's why that's why these episodes are never like an hour long unless I have, I'm interviewing someone, of course, because I want you guys to get in, get out, get your information, go out there, make some changes, and hopefully uh, better your team in, in some way, shape, or form. All right? So let's get on with today's episodes when it comes to increasing communication with your players. And we're going to talk about three specific things. Now, this is a this is a big topic. I, I get it a lot from coaches. You know how how do I increase? Like my kids don't talk, or they don't. Basically, they they just don't talk. Their communication is not good, or it's not consistent. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And there's a lot that goes in with communication. Now, I've been doing this a long time, and I've coached from elementary to high school to club to college to professional athletes. Like I've I've pretty much coached every type of athlete you can come across, and all three of these things are still valid. So the first thing that is important when it comes to communication is players have to know their responsibility. That's the first. But more importantly than just knowing their responsibility, they have to trust it. They have to trust it. Because a lot of times, they may know their responsibility, but they don't actually trust their They don't trust that they're doing it right. Or they don't acknowledge their responsibility and do it right away. So I'll give you an example. So, you know, for if we're running a perimeter defense, okay, if we're running a perimeter defense and a ball is tipped into deep, the deep corners, all right, so let's say deep one, the corner of position one, okay? So if you, if you guys don't know what perimeter defense is, basically, it's a defensive system where on a left side attack, right side attack, etc., your backcourt players are somewhat of a triangle. The, the player in position six is further back, so they're all the way back into the back of the court, and the players in position five and one are up. They're probably about a step back from the attack line. So that's kind of where, so it's like a triangle if you can imagine it. Uh, I mean, and you can, I mean, you can set up your perimeter defense in a bunch of different ways, but that is a standard way of setting it up. The player in position six is further back, closer to the end line, and the players in position five and one are further up into the court, and they are pretty much one step behind the attack line. So you have somewhat of a triangle. Now, understanding your responsibility. So if we, or if another team was to tip the ball into the deep one position, so back corner of one, whose ball would that be? So think about that in your head. Well, whose ball is that? Well, it's the player in position six's ball. Their job is to play all those deep corner shots. They're, they're deep for a reason. Now, here's where knowing your responsibility and trusting it is going to play a factor. If a player is tipping, tipping that ball to deep one, and the player in position one is backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up to play that ball, and then at the last minute they realize it's not their ball and they stop, and therefore the player in position six might get confused and there there's a lack of communication. Even though no one's saying anything, there's still a lack of communication on that part of whose ball that is. And that is knowing your responsibility and trusting it. The It's also, I guess you can say it's reading as well, understanding where to read. But if the player in position six sees a ball going there, it's their responsibility to say, okay, I got it, I got it, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, or or whatever they want to say. They have to say something, or they have to at least act upon it. Also, the player in position one has to recognize that's not their ball, and to leave it and trust it, and trust that they're 
you know, their teammate is going to be there and, and, and leave it, just not back up. Because this backing up business and the player position six moving over, that's going to create either a collision or miscommunication. And what happens is the ball ends up falling and both players look at each other and they're like, well, we didn't communicate. And the coach is saying, guys, you got to talk. You got to talk out there. Really? It's not a matter of talking per se. It's a matter of knowing your responsibility, trusting it. And then, yes, talking and communicating that afterwards will only help make the play, uh, you know, make it a better play or maybe rather be able to act on that play. But that's very important. You know, also, there's lots of examples we, we can we can talk about this, but it's super important that, you know, in any whatever defense system you're running, whatever passing system, whatever it is, is that they know their responsibility and trust. Here's another example. If a ball is tipped, okay, a ball is tipped over the block, all right, ball is tipped over the block. Well, whose ball is that? Well, it's the player in positions one or five's ball because they're responsible for the tips. Now, again, knowing your responsibility and, and trusting it's a difference. So even though they're responsible, for, they're responsible for that tip, are they acting on that? Are they actually moving to the ball and letting their teammates know, I'm here, I'm behind you? Because if they don't do that and they, they're, they're stagnant, they're trusting it, then the ball is going to fall and hit the floor or the blockers are going to turn and try to, you know, bump the ball back up and that's where we, we again we're going to coaches are going to say guys you got to communicate you got to communicate but knowing your responsibility and trusting it will help decrease all of these issues passing same thing i mean last example for this for this uh, point but passing is the same thing knowing your seam trusting your seam and going for that or knowing your passing zone right one of the biggest things I hear from coaches when it comes to passing. This is a pet peeve of mine. And if you're a coach guilty of this, it's okay. Many of us do this when we're first starting out. Have you ever heard when um, when a when a coach says, whoever calls it first, they're the ones that go? Well, there's a bunch of things that are wrong with that. First of all, in our game, when someone serves the ball, it's pretty much going to be served to someone in a matter of, it's less than a second. Like as soon as that serve goes, that ball is coming over the net in, in a second and someone has to make a decision. So in order for a player to read that, read the serve, recognize it's coming to them, call it, and then go, whoever calls it first goes, I, that, there's a lot of problems with that because it, what if it's not their ball? All right, what if it's not their scene? What if it's not their passing zone? What if they were wrong for calling it for the first, like when they should have, they shouldn't have called it in the first place? There's a lot of things that can go wrong. So whoever calls it first does not mean like that's not a way to justify or rather that's not a way to communicate whose ball it is. All right, we communicate the whose ball it is based on seams and passing zones, which I've talked about in previous episodes. So. Again, knowing your pat, knowing your seam, and knowing your passing zone, and, and knowing whether the ball is coming to you, you have to communicate. You have to recognize that, know your responsibility, trust it, and then make the call. Say, "Hey, my ball, I go," or whatever the case is. And when you get to the like the men's and, and pro leagues, the balls are coming so fast. There's there's no calling the ball on on a pass. Ball is being served at you over 100 kilometers an hour. There's no one that's saying ball is served. As soon as it's served, like you would literally have to call the ball as soon as the server touches the ball in order for you to be able to verbalize it and then go. So there you go. Knowing your responsibility and trusting it, super important, all right? So when you're on the court, I'm going to finish up with this, this point. When you're on the court, coaches, and you see hesit- hesitancy in your players, meaning the, you know they were supposed to make the read and go or they made the read and were late and didn't go, whatever, you have to have a conversation with them saying, 
trust your read, know your responsibility. So make sure they understand that that was their ball and who and what their wherever they are in defense or offense, they know what their job is. Making sure they trust it and making sure they can actually make the read. And another thing too is you can read and not go. And that's a problem. I have no problem. When I said this before. I have no problem if players read wrong as long as they've made the read and actually acted upon it because that's how you learn as a player. So if you if you can make a read and go, the, if you're, the problem is if you're not making a read, that's a problem. But if you're making a read and you don't trust it, that's also a problem. So make the read, go, and if you're wrong, that's okay. We learn. If you're right, then you're in the right position and you, 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 make, your, you make your play. All right. So that's point number one. Know your players, trust your players, or know your responsibilities rather and trust it. The second one um, is actually probably even more important. And this comes with relationships with the players on the court. And our job as coaches is to always increase relationships with our teammates or with our teams. So here's a, I'm going to paint a picture for you. So I was working with a coach years ago and I went, I went into their practice and I saw that every, you know, people were fairly quiet. There wasn't a lot of communication on the court. Um, but I also recognized that this was a fairly new team. Um, not a lot of these players were friends and it's not, it, it doesn't come natural to some athletes to just communicate on the court with people that they don't know or rather not friends or they don't see outside the outside the volleyball scene and stuff like that. And this I find with a lot of coaches I work with, including my own teams. So one thing that we have to do as coaches is we have to increase the relationship amongst our players. They have to get to know each other better, feel comfortable around each other. You ever, you ever uh, have players that are really, really quiet on the court and then you, have, you talk to their parents or you find out from other people that... But when when they're at home, they're like yelling at their siblings. They're you know they're telling the siblings get out of my room, or they're yelling all the time. Or when they, when they're at home, they're much louder. They don't stop. And then you're like, what do, you, what do you mean? When they're on the court, they're the quietest kids in the world. Well, that's because when they're at home, they're in an element of comfort, right? They 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 have these these relationships with these people, their family. They know them on a on a much deeper level. And yes, of course, they're gonna when when they can when they have that comfort level and they have that. Uh, that type of relationship, it's going to be all hands on deck. They're going to be communicating no problem. So as coaches, we have to figure out a way to increase relationships. And you do that many ways. A lot of it happens off the court, but, you know, your team dinners, your, your, uh, you know, your bonding sessions, whatever you want to call it, your team outings, your bowling night, games night, whatever. You got to do it to get these players to know each other better. You have to do it. You, if you're like, if you're at a school where you know you can't do things too much outside of school, lunch times, mornings, afternoons, you got to do team things. When you're at practice, you can do team mini games, not volleyball games, but mini games that help with communication. So I, I, I've mentioned this before, but some of the things that we do is we'll have like a series of you know, team, we'll make like different groups and we'll have them all compete against each other with little tasks. So like you know, first team that arranges yourself in alphabetical order, go. And they have to arrange themselves in alphabetical order, which forces them to communicate with each other. And they arrange themselves in alphabetical order. First team that does it wins. First team to go tallest or shortest. Okay. Uh, first team to uh, create a letter with their body, create the letter A. You know, whatever the case is, their little tasks, it's creating more engagement with your players and they're getting to know each other a bit better and stuff like that. Uh, team meetings are also great just to sit down and talk, get to know each other. Um, there's a lot of things you can do, but that's how 
you create relationships with your players and that's how they build up the confidence and rather just just the normalcy of communicating with their teammates and that is going to translate to them communicating on the court so if you notice that you know they're they're and this happens quite a bit quite a lot with volleyball teams especially because a lot of times these players don't they're not friends outside the gym when they go back when practice is over and they have their own set of friends their own groups and they only see each other at practice or if you're if you're doing club for example it could be the same thing right it's not their high school friends it's their their club friends so they don't see each other outside of practice so we have to do a much better job of building that family so that they can treat each other like brothers and sisters because that's brothers and sisters are always yelling at each other right they're always they're all they're very close but they're always talking there's you never have an issue with siblings communicating so we have to create that at our in our gym all right, so there's another example for you. And it, honestly, that's probably more important than knowing the responsibilities and trusting it because this will help enforce, it, it, will, it will help build your team culture. It will help, it will help do so many things. Like there's so much, uh, there's there's so much success that comes out as a byproduct of increasing these relationships. I, I'm a big, big person on, you know, relationships with teammates and trying to foster these relationships on your team because I think that it, it not only helps the communication aspect, but it helps the team have a much better experience. Um, it helps develop long-lasting relationships that they take on after our game. So you're really doing them such a great service, and it helps them build their skills as as people. Like there, there's so much, uh, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but you guys listening to this can think about your own life. You know how when you develop these great relationships with people, how much it affects your life in a positive way. So, long story short, that is how you uh, help increase your communication by doing that. All right, the third point when it comes to increasing communication with your players is practicing it like wholeheartedly practicing it so what we'll do is we will set up scrimmages or games or some kind of uh, simulation where in order to accomplish it you have to communicate you have you have no choice you have to do it and we'll give points for communication so i'll give you a couple examples uh, one example is we one, one, when we really struggled with this, we spread a blanket over the net so you couldn't see what's happening on the other side of the court. Now, that doesn't mean that depending on your skill level, that doesn't mean you let full on, you know, bump set hit. We don't have to, you don't have to have to do that necessarily, but you could bump the ball back and forth. You can do three three bumps on one side, then it goes back over. You can, if you're at a higher level, do your bump set hit because then it'll force them to, once they identify the ball, they can still read and go. So you can still do that. But you can do a lot of different things. And that way, it forces your team to communicate because they have no choice. They have to communicate where the ball is and who's getting it and so forth. You could also give points for communication. So regular six-on-six six volleyball, you get an extra point if you communicate with your blockers um, or if you get an extra point if you call for the ball from your setter like whatever the case is yeah points can add up really quickly but you know you could do stuff like that or what you can do is if you get it if you get the kill and you communicate it effectively on your side of the court you get an extra point like, there's a lot of you can be creative coaches there's a lot of different things you can do but the point is you have to practice communication okay you honestly have to practice now here i'm going to give you some examples of when communication is extremely vital in our game, okay? And this is stuff that you can practice. This You might not even be aware of this, coaches, but this is something you can practice in a game and, and give points for when teams do this. So some really big examples here. When a hitter goes up to swing, how many blockers do they have? 
That is something that their teammates should be communicating with the hitter. So if I'm a left side and I go up to attack, my player should be like, hey, you got one block, you got two, you got three, you got one, you got two, whatever the case is. So my hitter hears that, that he hears that information or she hears that information and it helps them make a better decision when they're attacking. Yes, the hitter is supposed to be like seeing the block and the ball, but the hitter is trying to do so many things up there. Let's help them to make their job easier. All right. So that, that's a big one. Second thing, uh, when blockers go up to block, how many coaches, how many times have this happened when a blocker goes up to block a ball, two blockers go up to block a ball and the attacker tips it. And then when the blockers come down, they turn and try to bump it back up by default. It's like, it's like an instant reaction when they're not supposed to do that. Their backward defense is supposed to take that ball. Now, the kind of knowing your responsibility and trusting it, right? This is kind of going back to that, knowing your response, trusting it. So blockers, they need to understand that their job is to go up and down. And they need to trust that their backcourt is going to be there to get that ball back up. Now, how do we reinforce that? Well, if you are responsible for that tip coverage, if you are a player in position one or five, you have to tell your blockers when they're up there, I'm here, I'm here, I got your back. Whatever the communication is, you have to tell them. So when my, when my, you know, when, when blockers go up and the defender's there, you can say, Hey blockers, I got your tip. I got your tip. Something simple like that. So the blockers hear that. So they know they can focus on their blocking and continue to stay tall. So when they come back down, they're not turning and reaching, but they're coming back down and they're waiting. They're getting out of the way they're, they're, They understand that their defender is there so that they can get ready to attack. So another important thing, tip people that are doing tip coverage have to communicate with the blockers that are there. Now, obviously, some coaches may say, well, they're supposed to be there and our blockers are supposed to know that they should, like, that there's no need to communicate that. Well, I'll tell you something. Even though they're supposed to be there, it is definitely a, uh, you're, you're not losing anything by communicating, you're only gaining. And I'll, I'll tell you in our game, a lot of times, there is players that even though they know, they still just, you know, they have that, that it's an instinct, just turn and try to bump the ball back up when you're coming down from a block, even though you're not supposed to do that. But that's okay. All right, some other things that we can do uh, to help our communication and is, again, vital to the game. Calling your checks and setter hands. So when you are a serving team and you have your three players that are blocking, right? The three players are at the net. Well, your job is to call out and key in on certain players. So you can say front court hands. So that gives your team a, a, just a nice reminder. Okay, guys, the setter is front court, which means we have to watch dumps. So you'll say that front court hands, front court hands. You don't have to say watch dumps, but you can. So you have to say front court hands, uh, two hitters, or or back court hands, three hitters, or whatever the case is. Key in on left side. That's another common one. Play, uh, the front court blockers may say key in on left side, key in on sixteen, key in on number sixteen. So that tells the defense, oh, number sixteen is front court. Maybe that's one of their better hitters. Well, now we now we're aware of it. If we maybe we weren't aware of it. We missed it, but now we're aware of it, so we can make sure we key on them. So little simple things like that when you're at the at the net, keying in, keying in on your uh, players on the other side of the court will help reinforce your backcourt defense and will help reinforce overall defense because now you are aware of everything before the play happens. Now, should you be aware of it regardless? Probably. But does it hurt for calling out your checks? No. And it's also a great way of continuing that communication of making sure that we're still all being vocal, we're still all talking, and we're good. Uh, let's talk about hitters. Calling the ball as a hitter. This is something that's underutilized, and I think it's extremely important. So when a ball is passed to your setter, 
in theory, we have four hitters jamming four hitting lanes. So all four of those hitters should be calling for the ball. Now, there's a, there's a couple of reasons we do that. One, the setter is in a much better position if they hear his hitters or her hitters. If they can hear their hitters calling for the ball, they know that that's hit, that hitter is an option. Versus if no one calls for the ball, let's say, for example, the left side passed the ball and they had to make a really tough pass and they're still on the ground. And then after they make that pass, they have to get up, get into position, and then approach to swing. Well, that left side may not be the best option. So if the setter doesn't hear that left side, then the setter knows I probably shouldn't set that left side because he or she is not an option. But if no one's talking on the court and the setter doesn't know if that's an option or not, and then maybe forced to make a tough decision, and it may not be the best one. So calling for the ball as a hitter is not only important to tell the, let the setter know that you are a viable option, but it's to let the setter know they have options and they, they could you know run their offense accordingly. So it's, I think, and this is my own personal opinion, um, as well as I know a lot, a lot of national coaches that do this, but I, I, know, I also know national coaches that don't do this. So it's your, it's your call, but I think it's significant. Um, also, to tie into that, when you're a middle running your hitting lanes, Middles have to 100% communicate with the setter. Like, let's say, for example, that the setter gets pushed over and the middle is going to run a, a, the lane behind the setter. So they're going to run like a 61, a back quick or whatever the case is. Well, you got to communicate that with your setter. You could just, by simply running your lane and saying, I'm behind you, I'm behind you, I'm here, I'm here. The setter hears that and then can manipulate the ball backwards and know that that you know, middle is an option. You know, it's, it, this is especially important in broken plays. Let's say, for example, you, you were supposed to run a quick attack, a regular you know, quick attack in front of the setter, but for whatever reason, the pass got pushed over, and you can't do that. But if you go behind the setter now and let the setter know, hey, I'm here, I'm behind you, I'm behind you, and let the setter know that's an option, all of a sudden now, you are still involved in the offense and can still be a viable option. And that's why we want to make sure as hitters, we are in constant communication with our setter. It's, it's more important for middles in this case, but I, I want to stress that everybody should be doing this, okay? Um, let's talk about passing for a bit. So when passing... I already mentioned that, you know, it's not who calls the ball first, okay, it's not the way we do it, but when passing, you, in theory, um, you know, I've gotten this from a lot of university coaches, every, every coach is different, but in theory, you should be calling the ball bef- before or right around when the ball crosses the attack line on the opposite side of the court, so if a team is serving, the team that's serving when the ball crosses their attack line on their side of the court, you should be able to already figure out who it's going to and call that ball. Because by the time it crosses their attack line, it's it's, a, it's less than a second. It's coming over the net and you got to make the play. So for me, uh, that's, that's, that's one of the ways I've heard. I, I personally just say as long as it's before, um, before it crosses over the play in the net, it's been called. For me, I'm okay with that. And again, we need to communicate because it just helps reinforce. Yes, we need to know our responsibilities and trust it. So you, as a passer, you have to know if it's your ball, um, if it's in your passing zone, if it's in your seam, you have to know that. And then the communication just adds to that, to, to, the, to the success of the pass. So if you know it's coming to you, you know it's in your seam, just by saying, you know, I go, I'm here, my ball, whatever, like I, I go. Like I, I go is a very common one. Like mine, yeah, that, that's that's one we you use when you're very, when you're younger. And and I I hear coaches are always telling their players, yell it, yell mine. Well, I mean, sure you could do that too, but whatever works for your team and you, you know, that's um that's okay. All right, 
Uh, let's talk about the, the last one I'll mention actually is uh, setter communication on the second ball. So it's really important that setters communicate for that second ball. Now, obviously, we all know that it's going to the setter. The second ball is always a setter. But sometimes if a ball is passed very awkwardly, it's not passed where it's clear that the setter is going to get it. Setters, it's, it's a good idea just to reinforce with your teammates. I got it. I got it. I'm here. I'm here. All right. Also, it's important, especially at the higher level, if a ball is passed really badly, where the setter may not be the best option to take that ball, it's nice for a backcourt player to step in and say, I got it, I got it, I'm here, and then go. But you have to make that decision as a team, as a coaching staff. Do you want your setter to touch every single ball no matter what, even if it's not even if it's not a, you know, like let's say the ball is past deep six. Well, that's a really long route for your setter to come and get it. Would it be more beneficial for your the player in position six, which will be your left side, to take that ball, or your libero for that matter, to take that ball and set it to a pin. You guys have to. You guys have to make that decision. On our team, we 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 would generally say like if this p- player in position six is in a better position, let's just go high ball outside or, or on the pins. Um, but the setter has full control to call them off and say no, I'm here, and therefore we're good. So that setter communication is really 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 important. All right. So this episode was just again understanding. You know, communication is a very important factor in our game. Okay, 100% is. And we have to understand that we're training communication and and how to train it. Because I know it's frustrating as coaches when your players aren't talking, but why are they, why are they not talking? How can we train that communication? Because sometimes it has to be taught. So n- let me just recap. Knowing your responsibilities and trusting it is extremely important when it comes to communication. Increasing relationships with teammates start doing that get let them get to know each other we're trying to create a family we're trying to create a brother or sisterhood where communicating with each other is a no-brainer it's not something they have to work on and that helps when their relationship is at the level that allows them to do that and then practicing communication all right giving points for communication doing things where they are required to communicate in order to get a point and then uh, we talked about the examples of when communication is vital. So when the hitter goes up for a swing, how many blockers do they have? When the blockers go up to block, backcourt defense, let them know that you're there, especially for tip coverage. Calling your checks front row as well as setter hands. Calling the ball as a hitter, especially as a middle going in. Okay, passing and then setter communication. So there's there's a really good um, chunk of information, some good points that I hope you can take back with your team. And hopefully uh, you can help your team increase with these things. And there's probably more things you can do, I'm sure. But I just wanted to give you three simple strategies that you can take back and apply it to your team right away. Uh, For those of you that are you know, really that are coaches that really want to grow faster and and start learning some of these things um, on a more intimate level. Um, I do invite you to sign up for the waitlist for DVA, Digital Volleyball Academy, by by heading over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. And honestly, I I can't wait to work with you. This is stuff we do inside the membership all the time where I get to help see my my members grow and see our coaches really affect change in their athletes and get it done faster than going at it alone. Like if you're going at this alone, uh, you're not you're not being efficient because it's going to take you a lot longer to grow and get to where you want to be. Um, but I can help you get there a lot faster by by being your mentor or getting access to my stuff. All right. Well, I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Have a great week. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. 
let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.